and specifically in recalling the good things that God... Uh, if we look at the beginning of Psalm 96, it says this, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Each day proclaim the good news that He saves. Publish His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things He does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. I mean, there's just a, a lot of uh, excitement in that psalm. You obviously get the sense the psalmist in a good place and he's worshiping the Lord and just a lot of things are coming to mind uh, as to what to say and, and how to worship the Lord. And it's, a, you know, it's like I said, it's in good seasons and in bad seasons. And he's recalling all these different things that, uh, that he wants to say to the Lord. And, you know, when, when God is doing good things in your life, uh, it's often there's a stirring within us which helps us to uh, identify with God and actually helps us to want to praise God. And in this particular uh, psalm, it starts off with sing a new song to the Lord. You know, Kim sitting here, just sitting down here. Kim has got a good gift of writing songs and, and it's a natural inclination for her. But for all of us, I mean, I'm as non-musical as can be. I mean, I've said this so many times. And yet one of the surprising things as I reflect back on this year was I felt like the Lord wanting me to sing. Now, let me tell you, there's a vast difference between listening to worship music and then singing. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm not very able to sing. But it was, it just sort of stirred up in me. And I really started enjoying singing, mostly alone when I'm in my shower, you know. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, I felt, well, this is very, it's a very different experience listening to worship music versus you, you know, starting, initiating uh, praise. But this is what it did in me. It did exactly what this psalm was doing. If you choose to worship and sing to God, uh, you can't do that and be upset. I mean, you do that and some or other, uh, it's like lighting a fire. You start becoming joyful because you're starting to praise and worship God. And I just found, you know, if I do this first thing in the morning as I'm showering, it just, it's just really a great thing. Uh, and uh, so I do. And... Uh, I won't get into any more details about the awesomeness of my singing or uh, the great repertoire that I got. It's one song, and it's repetitious every day. But it works. It works just. It works just fine for me. One way or another, when we want to reflect back on God and we want to hear God's voice and we want to see what God has done in our lives, it is one way or another going to tie to the Word of God. I mean, when we see what God is doing, it's going to be, the Word of God is going to be used by God in our lives. And uh, next week, I want to do a, a, a sermon where we look at how's our soul. And I want to specifically be looking at how do we position ourselves for a year on feeding our soul? You know, how do we do this? Because we do need a steady uh, diet of the, the Word of God in a way which is appetizing to us. But there, there are a whole bunch of other things we can do, uh, and I want to talk about that next week. But uh, God has been personal 
to us individually, but also corporately. Uh, I want Rosemary Cooley to share. Uh, Rosemary, you can come on up uh, while I'm setting this up. Uh, Rosemary does a fantastic job for us as a church, and no doubt also, uh, hopefully, it's rewarding to Rosemary herself. Uh, she volunteers at Milford Regional Hospital as basically clergy. Now, uh, I've got to tell you something which is really interesting. Behind the scenes, uh, because this is pertinent to all of you, many of you in the church are trying to figure out how do I serve? And we try hard, Bernadette tries hard to find places where everybody can serve if they want to in the church. But it's a two-way thing. You know, often people want to serve, but really the amount of time that you've got to serve is pretty limited. And it's pretty difficult to then find you know, awesome way for you to serve. On the other hand, if you want to take on a load, if you want to take on responsibility, there's always plenty for you to serve in. But if you want to just sort of fit in a roster when there's a space, it's not always that easy. And I was part of the clergy meeting at the hospital with the president of the hospital and the, the staff there, and they're really trying to emphasize you know, the work of the clergy. And uh, they told me, they said, the lady that directs us, she says, you know, Rosemary Cooley is just like such a shining star. And I said, oh, well, I know that, but, but why so? She said, because, you know, she went through all the training and she's complied with everything we needed as a, a hospital and she shows up regularly and consistently. Now, because she's regular and consistent, a ministry has opened up for her. But then I realized that there's not whole lot of other people. I mean, they asked all the churches in the area for all their volunteers and it came down to Rosemary. You know, so what I'm saying is a two-way street. From the hospital, I could totally see it. You've got to comply with all the stuff. You've got to get all the medicals and then you can serve under their, you know, constraints and not many people can do that. But here's the big thing. I'm in the meeting and uh, they say, look, many patients would love a Bible can you guys, would any churches like to uh, uh, pay for Bibles that we can distribute? And I thought, great, I'd love to do that. But then I had another brilliant idea. I said, you know what? We end up getting a lot of used Bibles here at the church. And, you know, like, I don't feel real good going down the dumpster down there and throwing in Bibles. It's just like, but on the other hand, I mean, my shelf was like getting, you know, everybody leaves Bibles all around the church. I mean, it's like, okay, I've got an accumulation of Bibles. What am I supposed to do with all these things? Ah, Milford Hospitals. Anyway, Rosemary, you tell a story from there. Come up here. We can. I'll help you up here. There we go. Thank you, Rosemary, for your faithful service to the hospital and all those that you pray for and minister to. It's awesome. So what I've gotten out of this is that every time, once I get my list of people, I'm, there's a chapel there, but I wouldn't need a chapel. I go into the chapel and I just sit there and I give myself everything I say, everything I do, every reaction I have to God, and I give him permission to do whatever he wants. And for the next however many hours I'm visiting people, and at the end, I thank him and I go home. But in the middle, when temptation comes, when it's, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have laughed like that. You shouldn't have said that to him, which is very common in my regular life. It never happens. And if it does, I just go, 
That was God. You can't argue with that. Mm -hmm. Let it go. So that's, and it's such a gift, and it affects my whole life. So anyway, a few weeks ago, I went into a room, and there was a fairly young person for a hospital population sitting there with a book on his lap, and it looked like a Bible. Now, I'm used to people going, what do you want? Don't talk to me about God, or something like that. So I went, hi, I'm so glad to see you. And I can see by what you have in your lap that I can ask you if you'd like to pray with me. Skip to the Bible. When Rob gave me the Bibles, I went through them to make sure there was no identification information in them. There was this beautiful Bible that um, had notes in it, which are fine, and I just took out the front page with the name and the dress and everything else. That's the Bible that he was using to keep up with his seminary studies because as a worship leader, he decided God is calling him to pastor. You know, so when we reflect back, like, what is God doing and the things we can give praises for, this was a great full circle for me. He has Rosemary volunteering. You know, it's, it's blessing Rosemary just being able to minister in the hospital. It's blessing the hospital. Uh, they want Bibles. We supply Bibles, use Bibles. And here Rosemary walks into the ward and he has a guy reading the very Bible she's just prepped earlier, you know, and gotten it ready. So I do say that if you've got old Bibles lying around uh, and you'd like them to get a second life, uh, we'll bring them in here and we'll, uh, you know, recycle them in the, in the hospital if they, if they, you know, if it would work for that. So if you bring one of those great big King James family Bibles, it's about this thing. I don't, I, I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> Or maybe some of you might be doing rehab, you know, needing some weightlifting, and they can read the Word of God at the same time. But, yeah, no, it, it's, it's good. So thanks, Rosemary. It, amazing what, what God is doing. I uh, also want to read uh, Psalm 92 while we dancing around here in the Psalms. And it says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the, Holy, most ho to the Most High, and here you see the common theme, right? Another psalm, same idea, let's sing. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. Accompanied by the ten-stringed harp and the melody of the lyre, you thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. But, you know, this verse 4, you thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. You know, when God does things which are personal, uh, it's just, I mean, we're selfish people. We love God to be dealing with us personally. It was all very well listening to Rosemary's story, and we can share uh, that joy because it's part of our mission. But it's not as exciting as when it's you personally. You know, and most of us want God to uh, speak to us uh, personally. And when God does speak to us personally, it's hugely powerful. I mean, this is really what like floats our boat. I mean, this is where we get the relational part uh, with God. I don't see Inada here. Is Inada here today? You know, Inada had an unbelievable um, experience, and I'm going to share it on her behalf. Uh, she, from Brazil... 
she's got a brother in Brazil which has been totally disconnected to her, has chosen not to speak to her, and, uh, and this has just become a painful um, saga which has just dragged on for years and years and years. And this year when uh, Ineda went back to visit the family, by the grace of God, somehow God did something that really Ineda had no doings with. And her brother miraculously wanted to restore relationship with Ineda and did. I mean, it was like all on his initiation, but because the Spirit of God, because Nate had been praying uh, that this came about. I mean, it just brought tremendous, I mean, as you can imagine, overwhelming uh, joy uh, to Nate. I mean, when she came back, uh, you know, stateside and was telling me, she was just overwhelmed uh, with, with tears of thanksgiving because it was something that she couldn't do. And, you know, for all of us, Extended family, we've just gone through Christmas, uh, you know, difficult family uh, relationships. I mean, you can't say the right thing or do the right thing. It's God that has to restore it. The harder you try, the more you seem to mess it up. But when you see the Lord's hand in it, or our sensitivity to what God is asking us to do, which often is nothing, you know, it's just like pray. If you try and make it happen, you just make it worse. Uh, but if you see God break through in this area, you realize on a personal basis that only God could do that. I mean, that's the joy. Uh, and I wish we could all say, like in Ada, wow, you know, this relationship with this friend or this family member, it's just like totally uh, healed. Uh, we would love that. But it is exciting when we see God do this. I mean, we all have family members that we see a need or a broken or, you know, aren't seeing life realistically or holistically. And it's like, what do we do? And a big part of what we do is we pray for them and we love them. And we pray for them and we love them. And it can be very frustrating because it doesn't feel like it's concrete. But that can be extremely uh, concrete. We can get more done uh, than if we do more damage. You know, doing no damage can be like helpful, just like limit the damage. And that's often the case with people doing missions trips. Uh, if you're reading books on missions trips, they'd say your first thing if you're going to be a missionary is don't do any damage. Because, you know, sometimes we have all these bright ideas about what we're going to do. And we, we go down there to other countries and we get so excited and we do more harm than good, you know, so if we can just like not do any damage, it's a pretty low bar, you know, and then how do we, where do we go from there? So yeah, if God will speak to us each individually and personally, uh, that's exciting and that is our prayer. Uh, but, you know, as a church, I want to give uh, thanks for many things that the Lord has done this year and, uh, I, you know, I could list certain things that the Lord has, has done. But um, let me just read a, another psalm to set this up. Psalm 103, it's all around the same area. And I want to just uh, read the first six verses. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. And then it starts off with a broad kind of an understanding. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. 
the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. You know, here's a, a wonderful uh, psalm to be prayed when you're not experiencing, uh, you know, health or you're being unjustly treated. We can immerse ourselves in the psalms and we can praise the Lord for the big picture that, okay, we do have salvation, we do have eternal life, God will restore all things, we will be in perfect healing. Uh, but, you know, again, personally, may I never forget the good things He has done for me, verse 2. Uh, there's always this global and personal context. And uh, when I was reflecting on this, and I thought, well, you know, God has done a whole bunch of uh, great things in this church this year, and I... I thought it behooves me to just thank you uh, as a church. You've been a really incredibly wonderful church. You know, it's, we're all a mixed bag of people from all over, different thoughts, different you know, lifestyles. But when we come together, uh, we come together because we want to uh, worship Jesus together. And there's something rich in the diversity of what a church brings like no other club can bring. Uh, but many of you have served, many of you have volunteered, children's ministry, youth ministry, other ministries. Many of you have given financially, like really generously, you know, and uh, many of you have just been super faithful and supportive. And uh, I don't want to take that uh, for granted. In fact, one of the highlights for me was this last fall, uh, we had one of the highest participation levels in small groups, in life groups that we've had as a church. I think something like 75% of us were in a small group, which is just tremendously encouraging because that means we're getting life, we're giving and receiving, we're integrated, we're starting to hear how God works in others' lives and how He's working in our lives. And for that number of people to be in a small group is tremendously life-giving. I mean, it just means that people are really connecting and making an effort and you know, we all know that when you're part of a group, it's a challenge. You go at night, you want to like just eat and go to bed. I mean, you don't want to go out uh, for another meeting. But when you get to the meeting, you typically enjoy it. It's like, oh, it was worth it. So anyway, you know, that was uh, one of the uh, highlights for me of the, of the year with, uh, with the meetings. We also have had, uh, well, let me start with people things because people always what so important. Uh, we just had a tr we just got a tremendous number of people in our church. Uh, as you know, Bernadette uh, is on the front end receiving phone calls. She's always the connection point. Uh, every one of you probably would have uh, met or gone through Bernadette's ministries. Uh, you know, one way or another, two or one connecting into volunteers or whatever. Uh, so you know, I just thank I'm thankful for what Bernadette's done, uh, and particularly the heart for. Uh, Dominican Republic and the Love Unconditional and the, and the ministry missions trips that uh, are going on right now. Uh, also taking care of administrative roles and compassion uh, ministries, financial needs for, for, for many, uh, serving with volunteers, uh, helping volunteers uh, get organized. Uh, so, uh, you know, I thank Bernadette. Uh, I was also reflecting back and thinking, wow, God has done quite some substantial things which I, as I was reflecting on it, I was noticing what God is doing, and I think God is doing something more than what I thought He was doing in the staffing that we've received recently. Uh, 
a year and a half ago, Debbie Dean joined us as a children's ministry, and uh, I was absolutely shocked to find out how difficult it was to find children's ministry people. Uh, my realization came when I asked uh, the pastors in the area how they go about trying to find children's ministry people. And uh, the advice, the best advice I got from the pastor was, he said, look, there's a guy up in New Hampshire which runs a retreat for children's ministry people. And so contact him because, you know, they have like a hundred and something uh, children's ministry people go to this retreat once a year and he will know, you know, who you can contact. And I said, well, brilliant idea. I mean, so I phoned him. And uh, I spoke to him and he said to me, I, I can't even remember the number, but it was something like, oh, great, you're number 20 that's phoned me this week looking for children's ministry people. I said, what? He said, forget it. i got no clue where you're going to find them. <laughs> and I said, well, if 20 other pastors in, in, in New England have phoned you like this week recently looking for you're right. I mean, you know, and so we put adverts everywhere and whatever not and, and just came back, just came up empty. And then Debbie, uh, you know, applied. And the thing that was so amazing to me is now it's been a year and a half and Debbie's just been fantastic. I mean, she's just truly wonderful with the kids. But I noticed two other things which are just really, I'm really grateful for. One is Debbie's seminary trained. And so Debbie's been doing Bible studies. And now we have the ability to do in-depth, detailed, you know, good Bible studies. The other thing, which is just unbelievably grace of God, I'm so thankful for, part of Debbie's training is in special needs, special education. And when I was interviewing her, she was working in the Attleboro school system uh, with special needs kids. And for whatever reason, in our church, we have a number of your kids which have special needs. And, uh, you know, it's just something God is doing in our church. I mean, most people are saying, we don't want those sort of people. They just hide, you know, a lot of maintenance and a lot of problems. And we just want, like, the good, bright. And we're saying, no, no, we, we, we want, like, whoever God brings us. And if this is God is bringing us, we see that as a blessing. Now, yeah, it takes extra energy and extra, you know, skills. And here God is providing you know, somebody that has got that background. And now, more recently, we hired uh, Stephen and Sarah. They've been here six months now. And, uh, you know, years in the past, I've been talking about, okay, we need to change things in our church. We need to start uh, getting younger. We need to grow younger because uh, we're getting old. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was reflecting on this. I've been doing this 20 years. You know, when I talk to somebody that's, uh, young, I'm like a dinosaur. And uh, I, I, I remember the particularly painful discussion I had. I was running with a friend of mine, and uh, she's 28. And uh, as we're running along, she's a, a faithful Christian. She said, you know, I've got a new family that's just come to work with me. Do you know a good church that they could go to and uh, where that fit in really well? And I'm thinking, yeah, duh, come, come to our church. And, so and as I'm running with her, I realized, She's definitely not thinking about our church. And she's been to our church. And then so, you know, finally, like, what about our church? No, your church would be great for my parents, but no, not for this. And I'm like, wait a bit. Wait, 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 wait a bit. No, no, no. We've got to be a great church for a spectrum. And so, you know, we look back on that and say, we've got to do something. So with Stephen and Sarah coming on, uh, you know, it was just 
intentional to try and uh, grow younger. And uh, they've just been a huge asset to us. They've both got seminary degrees out of Pittsburgh. And the nice thing for me is Debbie's seminary, seminary degree and Stephen and Sarah's are in different seminaries. So we get, a, from my standpoint, a nice different, um, you know, uh, aspect from different seminaries. We can get the best of what's out there. So I'm just super excited uh, uh, about them and what they're doing. And, and I'm just blessed that, you know, a younger couple will be willing to be part of our church and that you guys have had the, uh, the graciousness uh, to welcome them and accept them because it's not easy being younger and speaking to folks that are older than you. And yet, you know, I do believe that we're going to start attracting and drawing uh, folks that are younger. It's just what I, I, I see God doing in them. And, you know, honestly, a, I, I, I could take a lot of time, a lot of folks volunteering, Brian with the worship team and all those folks that hang out with worship. They do a great job. And Henning with IT and, and Tracy with the admin uh, and builds and, and uh, audiovisual. I mean, a lot of people are doing a lot of things that don't always go noticed, but are fantastic. And, and Richard uh, Harding, you know, he's been doing church uh, maintenance stuff, which honestly is just incredible. It, it, so uh, I just thank all of you for what you are doing. But, you know, another big event that uh, happened this year is we paid off our church mortgage. And uh, I've got to set this up for you. You know, as a lead pastor, I'm always walking this, what feels to me a very fine line between faith and foolishness. And it's like, is this faithful or am I just being foolish? You know, and it's sometimes they're like, I think I'm falling over into foolishness. And sometimes they're like, so when 11 years ago, when we, when we bought this building, we were a, a pretty small church and the real estate market was real, real high. And we paid 1.2 million for this building. And I remember sitting uh, negotiating this thing and, and dealing with the, the seller and thinking, man, I am paying like top dollar for this building. This is not worth 1.2 million, but on the other hand, it is worth 1.2 million. And uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money as a church to do this, so it took a lot of, you know, yeah, faith for us as a church, but you guys aren't signing. I'm signing the things. Like, is this foolishness? You know, if we don't make it, my head's on the block, you know. And yeah, no, we do it. It made sense because I would have paid more for rent than what I would have paid for mortgage. You know, and then straight after buying it, of course, the real estate crashed. Watch the thing dive. Well, uh, you know, now here, 11 years later, we've paid off this mortgage. Uh, we own this building, and this building now, for some unbelievable reason, is worth 1.8 million. I mean, with the holes in the roof and the floor, and you know, with it, I don't know how that works. But you know, I'm 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 really grateful to the Lord because. That's a huge burden that's lifted and it frees us up for a whole new season this coming year to do things uh, that we can do, mostly investing in people, investing in ministries, uh, as opposed to having to pay uh, off mortgage. You know, I've yet to get anybody send me a check saying, look, I, I really want to pay for this specific ministry. I want to pay the mortgage or I want to pay the utility bill. You know, people are like, you don't think that way. I, I, I'll give you specific money because I want you to go to love unconditional ministry or mission. Yeah, that makes you feel good. But paying the mortgage or the heat bill, yeah, that doesn't excite anybody. So, you know, I am glad that we, uh, we, can, do, uh, we can do what we, what we can do. In Psalm 70, uh, 96, as, we, as I just finish this up here, it says, 
in verse 3, publish his glorious deeds among the nations. You know, God is asking us to uh, think about what he's doing in our lives personally. He's asking us to think about what he's doing in our lives as a church collectively. But even as a small little church, God always puts this desire that we are focused outside of ourselves and there's always this missional thing to the nations. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't, God doesn't wait for you to become a mega church before you do missions work. Uh, you do it whatever size you're at. But believe me, it's super stretching. But again, this year was just a, a really terrific year. I mean, I've been going to Spain for many, many years and seeing very, very little happen. And this year, we go to Spain and uh, Portugal, and we see a lot happen. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, we now have a church starting in Lisbon, Portugal. There's this little fire starting there. The church we've been working with in Cordova, Spain, they all of a sudden really doing really well. In fact, that pastor, Paco, he's going to come out in, in, uh, in June, and you can meet him all. And then Paco's church had a whole bunch of folks leave his church because of economic problems and move down to the coast to Malaga. And they starting a little, or talking about starting a little church. There's a little activity happening down in Malaga. And then in Sevilla, where we've been a lot, uh, Seville, uh, there's also a whole bunch of things which have come together and a bunch of folks in a church there, which is really doing well. And so all of a sudden, it's like, wow, there is, as I reflect back to the many years we've gone to Spain, it's like, it's really starting to come together. And I was just really grateful to God for what God is doing. And now as I'm looking uh, towards the future, I'm like, wow, there really looks like a lot for us as a church to get involved in. And then most recently, just two weeks ago, I was down in South Africa and I uh, connected with the Vineyard Church in Neisner. You can put up a, a picture here, Blake. This is the church. And uh, I, I was there a year ago. Uh, it's a very interesting story. My sister uh, came to faith in, in Christ recently. And uh, then she relocated from Cape Town to uh, Plettenberg Bay, which is right next to the city or the town of Neisner. And she found a way to the Vineyard Church. And then she said, well, this is where you get. And I like this church. And she really spoke highly of the church. So when I was there last year, I went and visited the church and met with a pastor, and, and I was very uh, encouraged. It was just a terrific church. So this year when I went out, I said to the guy, I, I emailed him, I said, look, uh, I'm going to be in the area. If you'd like me to preach, I'd, I'd gladly do it. I said, I don't need to preach, but if, you, if it would be beneficial for you and your church, if you need a break, uh, I'm available, uh, but don't feel obligated in any way, shape, or form. And so I ended up preaching there, and it was one of those experiences where it's like, here's a church which is five steps ahead of us. And uh, they're doing things which, uh, w when I was part of this, I was just super encouraged by. Uh, firstly, the guy, the pastor, was a young guy in his 40s, early 40s. And uh, he took over the church. Uh, it was 150 people. Uh, there were 750 people uh, when I was preaching that, that a couple of weeks ago. The church has just grown tremendously. Uh, but it's not just that. It's the feel and what God is doing. The thing that was so uh, encouraging for me, and I, it's hard to translate this to you, but the church was multi-generational and multi-ethnic. 
So in a very post-South Africa apartheid uh, climate, you got young people to old people all in one church. You got people that speak English as their first language. You got people that speak Afrikaans, like Henning and Amanda, as their first language. And you got people that are African, and there's a whole bunch of different African languages, and I don't even know which, how many different African languages, but they're all present in this, in this church. And, you know, I remember a year ago when I was sitting there and the song came up in Afrikaans, I just started bawling my eyes out because I realized this is the first time in my life as a Christian, I'm reading and worshiping God in Afrikaans. And it just, it just struck a chord with me. And so, uh, I, you know, the, this church um, impressed me, not only what they're doing, but then they had a major catastrophe uh, earlier this year, a fire swept through that area, just like the Californian wildfires. It went right downtown. It wiped out all the old historical buildings, or hundreds of houses, and it was just major devastation. And so what they did is they turned their church over as a community center. The first thing they did became the extension of the hospital. There were hospital beds everywhere until the fire got so close that they had to evacuate the church uh, because of, of danger. And then they turned it into a clothing um, place where people could come and just get clothes because their houses were all burnt down and then get food. And then I was speaking to the pastor and he said, you know, we gave away in cash about a million dollars. I'm thinking, wow, you gave away. A, and, you know, this is like a hundred bucks. To, you know, you, want, you, you got nothing today. He has a hundred bucks. need a hundred bucks. million dollars end up giving away. It was just, just phenomenal. And I'm thinking... This is the DNA. This is the heart of who we are as a vineyard movement. I mean, this was so captured in every essence. And then from a spiritual standpoint, which I found super encouraging, is when I was preaching, five people accepted the Lord on just like an everyday, regular Sunday. And I was like, God, you know, that's what my prayer is for 2018, that we would see people on a regular basis. And I really pray that you can join me in this uh, prayer on a regular basis on every day Sunday we just see people receiving Jesus that hearts are transformed and lives are changed and we can see the impact of this uh, later on when we look back and we see wow what a difference God has made in my family in my spouse in my child's life because God has changed their lives so why don't we have the worship team come on up let's uh, praise the Lord and let, uh, let's just be gracious, uh, thankful and gracious to what God has done and reflect in your own life. What has God done in your hearts? What has God done in your life? Jesus, I just thank you for what you are doing in this church. I thank you for every person present here today. Lord, I just uh, pray that for all the heartaches and all the, the pain of, of uh, 2017, we can just uh, hand it over to you and give it to you. And Lord, I just pray for your hope and your joy, and Lord, that things can be different in 2018. Lord, I pray for your spirit to move. Lord, starting in our families, in our kids, in our spouses. Lord, just that you would move, and you would bless, and you would do things which just seem impossible, but that are possible to you. Lord, I just pray for your people to be blessed this year. In your name, Jesus. Amen.